You're listening to Lost Souls Monologues. Today's monologue is You Labour by Michael Wells Oakes. For those of you with younger listeners, please be aware that it contains a little swearing. You work, you labor, you are the laborer. You push the car up the hill, you shop at the factory for a million years, every cold fucking morning to every hot fucking night, you work and you, and you, you dream, you dream as you work. You dream so you can keep working. So you can stand to work. So you can stay fucking awake. You dream. You dream. I am 69 years old. 69 years old. And you know how old I feel? (laughs) I feel 69 years old. I feel every year in every part of my body. Even the parts that are long gone, I still feel every year. I stand here, in front of you, in front of whoever can hear and see me. Now, Rafferty is my best friend. Rafferty is a priest. Rafferty is my best friend, and he's a priest, and he's a drunk, and we've been each other's best friends since infancy. We have been best friends even if we never knew each other, or refuse, really, to know each other. We are best friends. This morning he parks his car on the hill in front of our house. Felicia's in my and Gerard's house. Felicia sees him from the kitchen, and I see him from the front window, and Felicia shouts to me, Jimmy! And I stand there. I see Raf get out of his car. I watch him. Felicia shouts again, Jim, get the door! Gerard, my son, Gerard, my son, my only son, my only child, when he came back from the service, from the war, the never-ending war, he should never have gone. Came back and he got a job at TD Bank in their support of veteran program. They were looking for veterans and he got a job in risk analysis. They gave him a title, VP of Risk Analysis Data. He looked all right. He, he looked like he was all right. He, like he was happy. I go to the door. The factories closed. Every factory closed. All three factories in this factory town closed 15 years ago. There were no jobs. None. I'd worked at Supreme Socks for 32 years. 32 years, and then I didn't. Why, people don't need socks no more. I had a pension ten years. They expect you to die in ten years. Ten years a good go. Ten years is enough for anybody. Rafferty stood in the doorway. He stood there. I stood inside. He just stood there and looked in at me. Earlier this morning, earlier this morning, I picked up the paper. We still get the morning paper, the only paper. 
I picked it up from the front steps this morning, this article. Trump's son refused to talk, to answer the Congressional Committee's questions. He refused. His lawyer says he don't have to. The committee, the Congressional Committee, asked him a question. He talked to his father. What was it they had said, he and his father? What was it he and his father had said to each other? Mm-mm, he don't have to answer. He don't have to answer, and he didn't. Gerard has worked at the TD Bank for a year, full year. Was doing good, he, he was. He started seeing his old girlfriend, Nicole. She has two children by another man, and she is divorced, but he liked her, and he was seeing her. He said he liked her. Did you ever have a cancer? No, 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 I'm not being a wise guy. Fucking cancer? I did. I'm a survivor. I survived. What's a lie, anyway, but not telling the truth? You don't tell the truth. You're lying, right? You don't tell it. You're lying. Gerard worked for a year. He worked, he labored, he labored at TD Bank. He went in and he worked. He was making money. He had his own apartment. But after about six months, he said, he said, what the hell? I don't need my apartment. I could live at home. Can I live at home, Dad? He lived here with Felicia and me. He wanted to. It worked. TD Bank was proud of their vet workers. They took his picture. They took his picture in a suit and a tie. His photo was in the bank. The TD Bank, in a lot of them, they put two photos, one in a suit and one in the war, when he was in the war, right in the bank. Raph looked at me and he said, Jimmy, James, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Gerard was different. I, I could see it. I could see God damn God. I knew I could see it, but he kept getting up and going to work, to work, going to work every morning at the TV bank. Felicia had come into the living room. Felicia said, What, Rev? Gerard, he said. That's all he said. And Felicia, how did she know? How? She crumbled right down to the floor, Felicia. Ouchie. I know what opioids are. I've had some experience with opioids, so I know what they are. Maybe some of you know what they are, too, and maybe some of you don't. Maybe. One night it was late. It was real late. I'd gotten up to take a pee, and I saw that Gerard's light was on. His door was closed, and his light shone under the door, under my feet. My feet. So white. So white. Blue-white. Shit, I'm old. I am old. I stood there with my blue fucking feet. I didn't knock on Gerard's door. There are lots of kinds of pain, a lot of different kinds, kinds of pain, lots of kinds. And then there is the pain of just living, the pain of living. Sometimes you feel the pain and you can let it go by. After I got back from the hospital, I was clear. Not one cancer cell in my body. But they said that maybe I'd have some pain. Fucking right, maybe. They gave me these pills, but I didn't. I wanted to feel it. I wanted to. I put the pills under the sink way in the back, and I felt the pain. Living. I wanted to feel it. 
Raff was talking. He was talking, and I could hear. He was saying yesterday afternoon, TD Bank, they let Gerard go. They'd fired him. He was stealing money, and they let him go. Felicia said, no, he went to work. He went to work this morning. He left this morning and went to work. Gerard came back and couldn't take the pain. He couldn't. One night, uh, another night, another night, I was standing outside his door, and he heard me. He said, Dad... And I just stood there looking down at my blue feet, and then I opened the door, and Gerard was crying. He was sitting there crying, sitting at the end of his bed. I can't go on, Dad. I can't see Nicole no more. I can't. Told me about his pain, my son, my only child, 39 years old. I'm not lying, Dad. I'm telling you the truth. I can't take it. I don't sleep no more. I haven't slept it. Feels as if my body, my mind are fighting against me. My mind, my heart, it's taking me apart. Taking him apart. It won't stop ever. He was shaking and he was crying. I held his head against my chest, shaking against my chest, against my chest. And I went and I got the pills. They were right where I left them behind all the stuff. I knew, I knew about... <laughs> I gave him to him. Raff was saying they found him in his car, Gerard, in his car by the side of the road on Gulf Creek Road. If they'd found him sooner, if anyone had stopped sooner and seen him, they could have maybe, maybe they could have. So the truth is, I gave him the pills. I gave him the pills, and the truth is, maybe he was already taking them. Maybe he was, and maybe I knew that. Maybe I knew that. I didn't stop him. I didn't. He was working. He was working. You have rough times, rough spots you have to get through. And the truth is, at the Supreme Sock Factory, the dreams, all my dreams, I had all the dreams, were for my son to have a good life, a better life, a life of value, a different kind of life, of value, of happiness. And I keep thinking about the goddamn article. I keep thinking. Trump's son refusing to provide information and calling it a privilege. Not speaking the truth. Lying and calling it a privilege. And I feel like I could kill. I feel like I could kill. This feeling inside of me calling it a privilege. It makes me... Why does he get the privilege to lie? to lie. When I voted for Trump, we all did. We all did. Here, we all did. I went and I pulled the lever for him, and all anger from the closed factories, from my spent pension, from my son going to war, from getting old, I pulled the lever, and I gave my anger to him. Take it out of me. Do what you want. I can't live with it any longer. I wanted him to do whatever he could. I gave it to him to do whatever he wanted to do. Because he was my son, and we looked, and he had just left this morning for work, and now he's gone. Can you work? Do you labor? Do you show up and keep showing up every cold fucking morning to every hot fucking night? As I stand here in front of you, Stand here in front of you, in front of you, whoever can hear and see me. I look down at my son. 
my only son. And I thought of his son. His son, Trump, and his son. I thought maybe he's laboring for his love. Maybe that's what he's working for, for his father's love. And maybe when they were on the phone, what they said, what the Congressional Committee wants to hear, maybe he was saying something to his father so private, so private, he couldn't tell anyone else. He couldn't tell anyone but his father, because sons do that. And no one else has to hear. No one else has to hear. No one. That's the truth. It's not good, but it's not a lie. It's not good, but it's not a lie. It's not good. But it's not a lie. You Labour was written by Michael Wells Oakes, with guidance by Julian Poydevin and performed by Stephen Greif. If you enjoyed today's Lost Souls monologue, don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. See you next time.